Genius for life. Coconut smoothies coming at you. Hello, hello. Welcome to episode 142 of 15 Minutes of Genius. I'm your host, Alex Baer, CEO and co-founder of genius juice as if you didn't if you, as if you couldn't tell from the onslaught of logos flying everywhere <laughs> on the show are we promoting genius or our guests i'm hoping to say that it's our guests it's not about genius but hey you know we got to promote when we can um so big plug first off to mark nicholas mark and at manhattanbeachstudios.net nice angle i think i don't know i'm, I'm kind of torn on that angle it's kind of weird and he did the eyebrow raise Thanks for making it creepy, Mark. Appreciate it. All right, let's get off you and back to me, okay? We don't want to – it's – I'm going to have nightmares about that one. All right, so <laughs> make sure to reach out to Mark, Mark Uh He does audio. He does video. He does podcasting. He does photography of plumbing equipment. He just showed me. He has a studio where he has plumbers that are selling their products on Amazon. So it gets random. That's what happens on the show, but it's all good. All right, so make sure to reach out to him. Um, Also, make sure to go on Apple Podcasts to check out 15 Minutes of Genius as well. So we're on there. Give us five stars, please, or four minimum, five preferred. All right, without further ado, my guest, I met her through the pandemic, which means it was all virtual. It was all on Zoom. It was all on Google Meet, probably on Microsoft Teams. We spoke several times. She's with a premier company i'm going to let her say more about the company but it's basically in venture capital and they do investments and that company is circle up she's a partner at circle up her name is nina mckinney out of alabama birmingham and a little bit about circle up here it's funny i'm, I'm on linkedin but it's not even working that's a first right now i can't even go to it there we go founded in <laughs> It's technology, folks. Founded in 2012, CircleUp is a privately owned company on a mission to empower entrepreneurs with the funding and support they need to thrive. CircleUp is shining a light on untapped human potential and transforming the world of private enterprise. For more information, please visit CircleUp.com. Nina, how are you? I'm great. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It seemed like it was just like an eye blink ago, um, Expo so West, an expo. two freaking months ago. Can you believe that? It's crazy. It's crazy. I feel like I still have Expo follow-up to do, so shame on me there. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's nuts. Uh, you know, somebody the other day was like, are you going to Sweets and Snacks? And I was like, oh my gosh, it's already time for, for the next one. So yeah, it's, it's, it's like never ending. And so uh, Lena and I have never met in person until Expo West. We met there near the fountain, near North Hall. We chatted for about 15, 20 minutes. Obviously, she's as awesome, or I'd say even more awesome in person than virtual, right? And yeah, and that was two months ago. That was early March at the Anaheim Convention Center. And here we are. We're filming this um, in May. It's probably not going to release till summer, but 
time flies when you're having fun and working hard and uh hundred percent certainly doing that 100. certainly doing that hundred percent we met at the best place to meet at expo uh if you're not meeting at the fountain you are a, a newbie in my opinion so exactly if you're not meeting at the fountain then you might as well just go into the fountain right hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Right. pretty it was pretty hot that day i think i could have taken a dot that'd be a great tiktok video just go right into the fountain just like <laughs> i mean expo weather was awesome it was like amazing energy. I think it, it was just, for me, it was such a, I had a baby six months ago. It just yeah. was like such an invigorating um, show. It was just great to see old friends, meet new friends, Alex um, in person finally. And just the, what I have so much respect for every entrepreneur who went through COVID um, and is continuing to go through supply chain issues. And it was just amazing to see the energy from the founders and from our community and how big our community has grown. And um, yeah, really just a privilege to, to sit there and, you know, have fun. So. Yeah. Yeah. The, the energy was definitely uh, palpable just from people being back, embracing each other again. Um, I've told people that, I probably did more hugs in the two days that I was there than I did through the entire pandemic for two years. Um, <laughs> so it was, it was pretty incredible. And uh, so were you there for the entire show? Remind me, how many days were you actually attending? Yeah, so I got there on Wednesday. Um, we had like our, our equity team did like a team meeting. Um, it was not the first time we'd gotten together since COVID, but it was the second time. Um, mm -hmm. And our team is fully remote now. Um, Birmingham, like and Birmingham is not Sir Club's headquarters <laughs> for what it's worth. Um, our headquarters are out of San Francisco, but we've got equity folks in LA, Austin, New York, Birmingham. And so it was great to have that, that solid day of team meetings. And then I left Friday, like mid afternoon. So, um, it was a great, or now I'm thinking, did I get there Tuesday? No, honestly, Life with an infant, I can't remember, but yeah, uh, I may have gotten there Tuesday and then had some meetings Wednesday and then hit the show. I think that was, that was, yeah. Yeah. Cause I Tuesday think like, Friday. yeah. Cause I think the North hall opened Wednesday, right? It was Wednesday, yeah. Thursday, Friday. And then the main hall at the main convention center was Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So I was there Wednesday yeah. and Thursday. I met, I know I met you on Wednesday. And I remember, right. I think I remember you saying like you were there on Tuesday or something, like you flew yes. in. Yeah, we were there on Tuesday, did our meetings Wednesday morning, did some meetings and then uh, internal meetings and then hit the floor and it was a blast. So yeah. didn't get enough time. It's with that, never enough time. With that kind of show, it was impossible to have enough time to really do anything. I mean, it was like, it was like organized chaos. I mean, there's so many people, hey, you, 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 you know, like, and then like, you, before you know it, the, it's the end of the day. You didn't have time to go to the booths that you wanted to go to. And then you're like, where the hell did the time go? That seemed, yeah. that, that would, that's the show in a nutshell for me. That was it. hundred <laughs> percent. I did a little sly action. So like my real name is Nancy. So I put my badge as like Nancy McKinney. So ah. in hopes that like maybe a few less, I kind of was a little under the radar, but um, a few people were like, wait, your name's Nancy. Anyway. So probably won't be doing that next expo. Uh, probably will go as Nina. Um, yeah, you're you're too but... famous now. You're too famous. You're out there. No, not 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 that at all. Definitely. <laughs> not, <but>. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Well, uh, let's get into uh, the story because what's interesting, we've had Circle Up 
on here before uh, with Aditi, yeah. who has since transitioned, I believe, to Amazon, right? She's at Amazon Yes, now. she's running strategy at Amazon. Amazing job. Running the world at Amazon. And uh, so, yeah, Didi Dash, I met her a few years back. She was on here, one of the first people, I think the first 20 episodes. And then now we have Nina, partner at Circle Up. So um, she's going to continue um, carrying the torch for Circle Up here on 15 Minutes of Genius. So we know somewhat about Circle Up, but maybe um, provide more. I guess I want to start with, like, how did you get connected with Circle Up? Why did you want to join them? What was kind of yeah. the, the mission, everything behind it that said, hey, I want to be a part of this company? Absolutely. I think, one, um, from the top down, it's just an amazing team. Um, Ryan, Rory, the founders of Circle Up are just amazing people. Um, we have amazing investors. Um, the equity team, Pat Robinson, Karen, um, Tommy, Ben, Sam, uh, Kevin, like the whole team. Kevin actually joined after me, but I would join with Kevin. Um, it's just an amazing team. So that was that has always been so important to me that I work with people that I can learn from and develop with, and especially as an investor, have a diverse set of minds. Um, but I think the second thing and probably like the biggest differentiator for Circle Up and our team is Helio. Um, and I'm happy to get into deep into Helio as, as we want to. Um, but basically, Helio is aggregating private market data um, across this omnichannel landscape to identify brands that are growing quickly um, and have significant potential to keep growing. Um, and I think that is obviously an amazing tool for an investor to have. Um, but what really spoke to my heart is it took the bias that you have as an investor out the window. And so if you look at, um, we just launched Fund 2, if you look at Fund 2, we have an incredibly diverse set of founders, right? A third of our founders are female, a third are from the BIPOC community, the list goes on. And I think that's so incredibly important in an ecosystem where um, historically, you know, brands have gotten found funding from founders that are connected to the VC ecosystem, whether it be through business school or, or other means. And while I, I still love those founders, and I think they're building incredible things, Helio inherently takes that bias out. Mm -hmm. And that was meant a ton to me. Um, and then also, I think as an investor, like we're always looking for data. And it was it's very, very hard to index brand performance. And Helio allows us to do that. And I think that's an incredible differentiator when you talk about on the diligence side. Um, so whether it's looking at velocities and indexing brand performance in a category, and is this brand in the top 75th percentile at these retailers? And, and what does that mean for future performance at other retailers? Mm -hmm. Or looking at, okay, as we look at reviews and what we're hearing from consumer sentiments, these are the most important criteria in that category. And this is how that brand is performing against those criteria. So like for a beauty, right? They care about efficacy. They care about brand. They care about clean ingredients, right? How does this brand stack up against those criteria? And more importantly, how do other brands in that competitive set stack up against those criteria. So consumer sentiment, super important. And then, you know, mm -hmm. you've got obviously data, data points on the direct to consumer Amazon mm -hmm. world, right? Mm -hmm. How is their SEO growing? All of these really important data points that are aggregated into one system. Um, 
that is just honestly a super efficient tool. So that was a huge plug for me. And then I would say third, I have always had a passion for investing in these early stage brands. I think as you look, especially in food and beverage, but across CPG, a lot of investors have gone later and later stage, which is great, but it's left this really wide open gap in the Mm -hmm. series A seed landscape. Mm -hmm. And I have always been really passionate at building at that life stage. I think there's, it takes a different investor to expand you to all doors at Publix and make sure the performance isn't strong than an investor that's saying, okay, this is a $30 million business. How do we increase our velocities at Publix by 10%? Right. Both are super critical initiatives, but I love that early stage brand building. Um, and so it was really exciting to me to get to work with a team that's truly investing at the seed series A. We invest in brands one to 20 million in revenue. We're, you know, we're leading, we're co-leading, you know, we're very, very flexible and mandate, but what stayed true across all of our portfolio is life stage. And we just own that and own it well. Um, and it's something that I'm, I'm super passionate about. So, um, those are the three things that drove me to circle up. Um, but I would say, you know, the list goes on, um, you know, strong, strong, fun performance. Fun one is done very mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is a that is a testament to the three things that I just said, owning our lane, using Helio as a great diligence sourcing tool, and then also just team, a great team that are, you know, I think anyone that knows Ryan and knows Rory, and it just kind of trickles down through the organization, we are all about funding brands in this ecosystem. And that doesn't necessarily mean to us that we're funding, that Circle Up is funding those brands. It means that we are helping brands get funded. And so sometimes people fit into my mandate. Sometimes it's amazing brands that don't fit into my mandate, but it's all about introducing them to the next person. Okay. Um, so yeah. Hey, so, uh, hey Nita, it, long- it, uh, it, it froze a little bit. Um, so I wasn't uh, saying anything super revolutionary. Well, let's, uh, um, it, it froze like about 10 seconds ago. And so go back to your ecosystem comment. We'll start there. Yeah. I think it's very important. And I, I take this um, very personally as an investor to support the brand ecosystem. We are so privileged to sit in the investor role and to pick brands that fit within our mandate. Um, But one thing that Circle Up has done throughout time, back to when they were a marketplace, right? Mm -hmm. They've helped brands get funded and acknowledge that just because somebody doesn't fit in our debt mandate or our credit mandate doesn't mean they're not building an incredibly impactful business. And so we are a team of connectors, a team of people that want to see brands funded, see brands continue to grow in the CPG system and support entrepreneurs. Um, I'm probably going a little bit on a tangent, but we're, you know, we just started commercializing Helio externally, really starting the beginning of this year and um, top secret, but I think it's, it's out there. You know, we're working on a small emerging brands access to Helio program. Mm. Um, so creating mm. something that's not super expensive where brands can get access to this type of data to help them inform decisions and important decisions. Like, do I invest in Whole Foods or do I invest in Publix? And what is my category doing? And where's the opportunity to grow? Um, so yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm a hundred percent going on like 10 different tangents <laughs> and just like verbally vomiting at you, but no, it's, it's, it's super great. Pan- passionate about circle up and, and what we're building and so privileged to be able to work with the founders that I work with. 
It's great. It's great. No, and if you were going off on tangents that were not great subject matter for the show, I would have already interrupted you. Um, that's what I do <laughs> on here is like if someone is totally rambling and I'm like, dude, like this is going off the rails, I will come in and interrupt. But that did not happen here. I'm like, she, everything she is saying is so pertinent and like useful and awesome and like interesting to hear. It's like the storytelling is definitely there. And you have a great gift of like, you know, just this telling the story and why you're at Circle Up. And I think just it's such it's such a special company. Like, I just I don't know how to say it like succinctly, but like like. I've, I've spoken to many VCs. We've, we've spoken about this. Like many VCs, we've pitched many VCs when we're raising a seed round or a series A. And I just had a certain, like in, in like meeting with Circle Up and like in past pitches and things like that, just a different type of energy where you're really wanting to help companies that you really believe in that are emerging. You believe in the founders and you know that with your guidance, with your money, the brand can go that much further, but also, so it's very special already, just the people and the way that you're helping and working with founders and companies that are emerging, but also the data aspect, right? Just going back to that, I wanted to pluck that out of what you said, like the Helio, this whole podcast is brought to you by Helio. Like <laughs> they're, they're amazing. Helio is like kind of like, you know, spins in a way, but like this great insights and data and like the fact that I think you're taking the emotion, you know, there's gotta be some emotion, like you gotta like the founder and wanna work with them and like right, see totally. them want that, you know, believe that they're actually gonna grow, like where's the puck going, right? So that we can score that goal together. But you're also taking the emotion of just, oh, I like this person so much, I'm going to invest in them because they're a great talker or whatever, or they're, char mm -hmm. they're charismatic. And I've seen too many investments. This is something that pisses off brands, okay? where with a lot of other venture capital companies, you see investments you are like, why the hell are they getting money? You know, like they're not even proven yet. They're really, really small. They probably know someone at the VC or whatever, a private equity. They have a friend or someone that invested them on a past project and they're getting money when they haven't even done the proper steps to show that they have a brand that has sticking power. And like, mm -hmm. that's like, usually when I talk with like other brands that are small, that have not gotten major funding yet. We're like, why did that brand like get $7 million? Like they're barely even in the market, you know? Um, but I guess mm -hmm. like those things happen. You don't really understand why. It's probably a combination of, you know, they love the founder. They see the brand maybe growing, but there's no data behind it be beyond just some velocity, right? So I love how that you're really digging into that next level of if we're gonna be plunking down money and investing and backing this brand, you have to see really convincing data that this could be the next big brand in the category. So I love how you, I, I love your approach with that. Well, thank you. Yeah, I think it's, it is, it's, it's so, it's so nice to have access to that level of data too, as an investor. So like, you know, I think it's very hard when you don't, you're leveraging data that's provided by the brand and you don't have further context. And I think one of the amazing things about Helio is it gives me that context. And then I can use that to decide whether it is something that a brand that fits into our mandate, but also, and like shout out to like Tommy Walker on our team. I would say he does like the absolute best job of this, but across our, our whole team, like we're providing like solid feedback to brands, right? Hey, this is what we saw in Helio. And as we think about this, here's the data, but like, it's not a fit for X, Y, Z reason. And I think what I hear from founders time and time again is 
I so appreciate a re- like an answer that is actually an answer, right? It's a no because of this, but it's also a positive no, right? It's like, you go do the amazing things that you're doing. This is what we saw in the data and why it's not a fit for our mandate right now today. But that doesn't mean you're not building something significant. And that doesn't mean you can't get value out of our relationship. And here's some data to chew on. And, you know, let's continue to stay in touch and and be supportive. Um, and I think that's, I don't know, it's, it is, it, refreshing is probably the best way to put it. So yeah, I, I, it's, I, it's, I, it's, I, it's, I I see it like it's it's funny. The reason I'm smiling is like it's a it's a it's an age old thing that that founders feel. I felt it in the past, right? When you do a pitch, and then they you know end up not investing, which is ninety eight percent of the yes. time, right? It's not easy. We to do find. not invest in like ninety eight point five percent of brands go. that we look at. And like, so, like instead of the brand, like whoever brand is pitching you or other VCs, right? We you know no matter what. Sometimes just in, in general, people take it personally, right? They're like, oh man, I got rejected, right? It's like, it's like a feeling of rejection. You're like, what did I, did I, was I wearing like just a terrible shirt during our meeting? Or like, did I say something stupid that pissed someone off or whatever? And like, I love how like your approach is like, dude, like it's nothing you said. It's like, like you're great. The brand is great. It's the data. Like it's the data. <laughs> so at least it helps the brands like kind of take that out of the equation and say like, they still believe in the product and the and the people. It's just the data is not giving them what they need to actually move forward on an investment. So yeah. it's a it's a great approach. I really like that. It makes it makes and founders like me feel a lot better about the whole process. So yeah, and I think that's like and that's an approach like I've always taken throughout my career. I think it's so important to give entrepreneurs the respect, the real answer as to why it's not a fit today. Um, but also like you gave me time, right? Like you gave me 30 minutes, an hour, 45 minutes, maybe multiple, multiple meetings, right? Yes, yes. You gave me your time. So the least I can do is give you my time and give you a thoughtful feedback response. And I think acknowledging, like I said, like we pass on 98.5% of brands that we look at. That is a staggering number. And we're very active. Like we have done six deals in the past six months, right? So like we're deploying capital you know, I, I don't want to say at a more rapid rate, but we're doing a lot of deals. I mean, there's a lot of funds out there that that which are great strategies do one or two deals a year, right? So their pass rate is even higher. And I think that that's just something to acknowledge in the system. Like a no is not a dig at you, right? Or your strategy. It's just, it doesn't fit with that mandate. Um, but keep going, keep charging ahead. Um, and you will find the right partner for you. And by the way, VC is not the right partner a good chunk of the time Um, because what comes with VC capital is high expectations for growth. I mean, obviously we're supportive collaborative partners, but you know, we are underwriting a five X return on our investment. And so we want to see top line growth. We want to see strong margins. We want to see capital efficiency. We want to see, another later stage fund come in and support the brand a good chunk of the time, right? And in a series B, like, or a, or a later stage series A. So there's pressure that comes with taking on that capital and that's not the right solution for every brand. Um, and I think acknowledging that too, and, and as an entrepreneur, not getting caught up in, oh, I must raise VC to scale my business. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm acknowledging Things like beverage are very expensive. Beverage, I mean, you know better than anyone, Alex. Like that's a very expensive category to scale in. Mm. And so I'm not like blind to the fact that you need capital to scale. 
but there might be other funding options out there for you and a more focused, slower growth story that makes more sense for you and your brand. Exactly. Um, exactly. One thing I wanted to uh, just uh, slide in on is like, you know, Genius Juice has been around for eight years. And I think we realize that we're different from some of these other beverages that are just within three years or just like, you know, the quintessential hockey stick. And sometimes like there's a little bit of luck involved, right? Like you have a great brand, great execution. You raise some early capital, some seed capital, angel investment, and you get off the ground and you kind of, you know, you just rock it to like, 7 million, 8 million, 9 million, 10 million. Then there's other brands that are just grinding it out where you may not have this hot product that everyone's talking about, but there's customer loyalty and you have great brand and great product and it's slowly growing over time. And then like VC capital may not be the right thing, right? Because there's expectations to grow really, really quickly. And there are other funding options, like you said out there, like from a bank or, you know, ClearCo, right? That like lend money. I think Circle right. Up, Circle Up as well lends money as well. Yeah, right? ClearCo, Wayflyer, yeah. Circle Up, Ampla, Dwight. So um, many of assembled them. brands. Like those are all amazing debt players in the market. Yes. Um, ClearCo and Wayflyer, you know, they lend to businesses that don't have access to capital in other places, which I think is incredible. They're so important in our ecosystem. Um, you know, there's family offices, there's angels. Um, there are lots of ways to secure capital. Um, and it just is acknowledging depending upon where you get your capital from your growth story, but strategy is going to look a little bit different and there's no right or wrong answer to that. Exactly. And I think one other thing too, um, that we talked about before going live here, we had like literally a 10 minute conversation cause we're like, we're buddies. <laughs> She's amazing. We're buddies, let's chill. <laughs> yeah. We talked about like sustainability, you know, and like margins. And like, I think like a lot of brands, I mean, there was a report today. Um, you're not, in, are you invested in Oatly? We are not in Oatly, Okay. No. Okay. I'm, that's, I wanted to ask that before I bring this up. So uh, I'll be like, okay, great. Let's move on to the next subject. No, but <laughs> I uh, don't want to offend any, anyone here, but there was a news report that Oatly is growing quite a bit, right? They're, they're up. And I think their growth was at least about 60, 70%. They're doing great. Mm -hmm. I think they posted a quarterly uh, revenue. Um, don't quote me on this, but it was something around, I think 150 million. I might be wrong, but it was somewhere around there. But their losses last year were 84 million. Yeah. It's just freaking crazy. I mean, like they're raising so much capital to fund their growth and their marketing, yet they're raising, they're, they're, they're losing millions of dollars. I mean, they spent like 5 yeah. million on their Super Bowl, you know, commercial. So like brands like us that are like below 10 million in annualized revenue, it's like, how do you get scrappy? How do you make a dollar go further? How do you get your margin up? How do you create efficiencies? How do you budget? You know, just all these, how do you take a hard look at your P&L yeah. like every week, every month to say, what can I do to get to break even? And I think like you see so many brands blowing capital that are just huge. You're like, there has to be another strategy to like be sustainable and also grow at the same time. And I think like if I were a venture capital, like if I had a VC firm, um, let's call it like GCVC or something like that. Um, I'd be like, I love it, G -G -G. G -G, yeah, genius VC. It has a nice ring to it. Um, so you heard it here first, but like, I'd be looking at, I want to see a pathway to profitability if I'm going to invest 
because like I don't want to invest. And then like a year later, two years later, you blow through that capital because you're not profitable. Then you have to raise more money and then more money. And then and then everyone's getting diluted. So it's this. I, I like how and I think, like, you're focusing on that sustainability. Yeah. And like, I don't want to like, I don't want to speak to Oatly specifically. I have a lot of friends who invested in Oatly. Like, I'll, yeah. I'll, leave, I'll put it's, Oatly to the that, side for a second. Pin, pin that on but, me. Like, it's all on me. Yeah. Actually, at Expo West, like we were talking about this. We were talking about it as a team last week. Um, I was actually talking with one of my portfolio companies about this. It's about to kick off some raising, like a, a fundraise. Like there is historically there has been so much pressure from the vc community to grow and grow at all costs and i think there's been a major shift over the past call it six months where a lot of vc and growth investors are saying okay look like yes we need growth but we need sustainable growth and that's coming from like the strategics down i mean strategics are telling us like we want gross margins that are at, at a minimum neutral to our portfolio okay so let's talk about that for a second so you want brands that at 50 million, 100 million, 150 million can compete with $300 million brands. Okay, so that means that you need to build something at a very strong margin. And that takes time and that takes resource. And you probably as a sub $10 million brand need to shift your eye a little bit away from that growth lever and towards gross margin. Mm -hmm. um, exactly. I was in Austin last week and having this conversation with one of our portfolio companies and they were like, okay, how much do we innovate? Like we've proven that this is a platform. I won't say the name of the brand, but that we've proven this is a platform for our consumer base. How much do we innovate? And do we innovate into categories that would post more top line growth? but be detrimental to our margin and detrimental mm -hmm. to our EBITDA. And it's, I, it's an art, not a science, because you need growth, but you also need a strong margin and you need the ability to be cash flow positive at some point. Um, I, hate, exactly. I mean, I hate to say that, but it, it, it is the reality. And mm -hmm. not to mention supply chain and price sensitivity that we're seeing starting to trickle down more and more you need to be able to weather this storm and you ever, all these brands have weathered COVID. And as I, we started the conversation, like I have so much respect for every entrepreneur that launched in COVID and made it through COVID. Right. But we're, there's another storm that is a brewing. And I think as the VC community and as the growth community, we're starting to acknowledge that and prioritizing brands that are maybe growing you know, at let's call it the sub 10, maybe they're growing a hundred percent a year, right? Amazing growth but they're a lot more capital efficient than the brand that was grow grew 400%, right? Exactly. And we're prioritizing those conversations. So I think it's it's so important and it's something that I, I'm telling my entire portfolio and I would say we are having this discussion with our portfolio broadly, but also like I'm talking to every entrepreneur about it because I think it's important. Um, I mean, again, I won't say this name, but in a strategy session, I, I literally told the founder, like I would rather you post 150, 200% growth this year and burn 2 million less than the other way around, right? Than posting 400 million and burning 2 million more. Exactly. Um, exactly. And other people might disagree with me, but that's an, I should say, these are the views of Nina McKinney and not circle up as an organization. <laughs> we'll, we'll include um, that. Uh, Mark, you can type that up as a caption yeah. on the bottom. <laughs> um, but I think, I think it's important and, you know, as capital 
sures up. I think it's important to sure up your balance sheet to yep. be, I, anyways, I don't want to be a fear monger, but that's. No, I mean, I mean, this thing. is, this is uh, not a fear. It's reality. I mean, it's like you said, there is a storm brewing, right? We're right now we're filming this in May, 2022. This is going to go um, on LinkedIn, probably June, July, I would say July, 2022, that there is, I wouldn't call it a, re maybe it could be a recession or a correction, whatever it is. People are getting more sensitive to what they're actually yeah. purchasing. So like, I think like Mark Cuban has said this, like everyone looks like a genius in a bull economy, right? Like the Midas touch, whatever I release is going to do really well. But in a, in a bear economy, not Alex bear, but B E A R like a bear economy, that's not a good economy. Can you survive and can you grow with strategy, with execution, with branding, with position on shelf, with, with, um, you know, your benefit offering, your unique selling proposition, right, in stores to consumers. That's like that grit and fortitude is what separates a great brand from a brand that just covers their weaknesses with money, right? I'm just going to throw yeah. more money at it and get more people to try it. It's like, okay, it's great. Like you can have your product at 50% off, like two for $1 and get people that are literally just buying you because you're on sale. But what does your lift look like when you're off sale? What does it look like yeah. in the in the stores that are not in Beverly Hills that are in the middle of nowhere? Like, you know, that uh, are in Birmingham, Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> rural, rural, yeah. Like, which is not nowhere, but like well, Birmingham's not rural, but we're not, you know, we're not trendsetters down here. Exactly. Sorry, my it, Birmingham folks. It's uh, okay. We do have an amazing, amazing culinary scene, I will say. Uh, amazing. But yeah. But you know that's we're not at the forefront of of CPG trends, I would say. Um, yeah, I would I would say like key, it kind of starts coastal and comes in right for Birmingham. Right, it starts yeah. coastal and it comes in. But I love when I see our brands, brands I've talked to like on the shelf. Like I was telling you, like I live right down the street from a Greenwise, and I just like love that I have access to that and can yeah. constantly see all the brands we're looking at. But like we were talking about this earlier, like Whole Foods last recession. And I'm gonna butcher this slightly, so like, again, don't hold me accountable for this. Like, 2008 hit, did have a, a a little bit of growth. In 2009, declined a little bit, but not compared to the the overall economy. And that was consumers shifting down from eating at restaurants to now shopping at Whole Foods. Exactly. Right? That, that's yep. the theory. Yep. In beauty, the theory was instead of traveling consumers, their daily indulgence was maybe like a slightly nicer moisturizer than what they usually bought. And so like, you will still see premium brands survive, but you've got to have the margins and the capital efficiency to weather the storm. And so there will still be amazing brands that come out of any sort of recession. And like, I really hope that, that we're, that's not what we're looking at here, but like, if we are, you will still still see an amazing amount of growth in CPG. It's a great time actually to be a CPG investor, in my opinion. Yeah. But, um, you know, like like we said, you just got to have the profile that makes sense, the unit economics that makes sense. We don't even need to talk about DTC, but same thing there, right? Exactly. It's Your really LGBT just CPG has to make sense. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's really just the resilience and. Uh... One thing that you also talked about was that there's premium brands that are out there. I mean, Circle Up has invested in several premium brands and like not to not to shortchange yourself just under the pressure of retail or not shortchange yourself or compress your margins from retailers or from consumers. Like 
it's funny. We're in a certain retailer, which it's it's not on the coast. It's somewhere in the middle of the country. And uh, we have people that are complaining when we're not on sale enough, right? And they're like, oh, I, I bought so much of your product when you had that two for seven or your two for six, but now you're at $5 a bottle. You know, I just can't afford them. Like, you know, uh, we are a premium product that's hand shucking coconuts, okay? Like we're not water with powder in it or something like that. Like this is an artisanal premium product that's being shipped from Thailand, which is insanely expensive. So if you don't want it, go buy whatever, a naked juice. Like go go get something for two ninety nine. That's fine. Like and I'll respect you for that. But you're getting premium quality. That's exactly what you're gonna get because of that premium price. So like my pushback, like I get emails, right, to hello at geniusjuice.com and I jump in and I, I read every email that comes in. And I will jump in and say this is not a customer service person. This is the founder talking back to you or or communicating with you replying with you Re- yeah. replying and yeah, talking back is not a good word communicating <laughs> and uh responding because i care that this is a premium product and if we lower our price from consumer demand we will be out of business we will not make the money we need or the margin we need so that is the same position we have with retailers if they want our products for a lower price to be competitive with all the other smoothies we'll be like Honestly, we are more premium than a lot of these other smoothies. So that's why our product is at that price. And if you don't think mm-hmm. it will sell, this is not the right partnership for now. And we respectfully have to bow out of this, right? But we love you and we love your, you know, we love your stores. So that's like having that respect for yourself and not to shortchange yourself and not be under the pressure to always be on promotion. I think that's the power of saying no, right? The power of saying no. Right. I think the, the power of saying no is so important. I think I was talking with a, a ready to drink spirits company um, last week and they were like, we hate when we're on shelf at this price because it's communicating to the consumer. We are equivalent to these other brands when we're not using natural flavors, right? Like we are, you know, they view themselves as kind of the spindrift of um, ready to drink liquor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, I think that positioning makes a ton of sense. But then I also think Again, going back to you know, economics, that's why it's so important to have a strong gross margin from the beginning. So if you're trying to increase your TAM, you're trying to get trial, you're trying to tell the consumer, try me, you won't regret it. You need to have that margin to allow for that trade spend or discounting online or, or whatever it might be to encourage the consumer to come into the brand. And then you've got to have that experience that they will come back at that at that normal price, right? You know. I don't want to say everyday price because that that's discounted, but that exactly. Yeah, <laughs> this is all that, like... that price that you are that yeah. you like to be every day. Um, exactly. At a, and so I think that's like it's super important. And you know, we have brands and brands that we've invested in that we have the conversation around. Like, okay, we do think for this brand, over time, it makes sense to reduce price. Today, they have to be at this price point because it's the only thing that makes sense for their margins. But as they gain scale, we think they can increase their total TAM if they slightly decrease price. But it's about knowing where those bands are, Alex. And just like you said, you don't need to be, and I don't want to mention you know, another competitor, but you don't need to be at the price point of the brand that is using you know, a powdered coconut over you know, raw hand harvested coconuts, right? That's a different story. Um, and so knowing where your band is the consumer, making sure you're defending that price point, 
but also creating an experience and opportunity to increase your TAM over time. Exactly. Um, and then fighting on, I mean, you know, so true. And like, I love case studies, right? And we have to yeah. wrap it up super soon, but a case study that I really love and I, res I respect them, you know, even though they're a competitor, they're next to us on the shelf, I respect them because they never water down, they never sacrifice quality in the entire nine years that they've been on shelf and they have blossomed and benefited from that. Um, you know what brand I'm talking about? Right next to us, premium price, same category. What is so I do the Jeopardy so music. Cool. I don't know, what is it? I feel, I'm like, I'm scared to. Harmless Harvest, so Harmless Harvest. Oh, 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 yeah. obviously. Yeah, so wow. like. Wow, Nina, okay, <laughs> Harmless Harvest. Yeah, well, you know. Again, it's... I have a six-month-old, so like on a good day, I get like four hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot of brands out there that are premium, to your defense. So, um, so yeah, but Harmless Harvest, they came out with a premium coconut water using the Nam Ham Young Thai coconut, which is the same coconut we use for our smoothies, right, which I think tastes the best. They're sweet, and you've had our product, you've had Harmless. It just tastes better than other coconut-based products, in my, in my humble opinion. And... They came in with a, it's a funny quick story that I got to share with everyone on here, that when they launched, they launched first because the product was so expensive and so high quality and tasted so damn good compared to like any other coconut water out there for the, you know, because coconut water came in, came on the scene in 2003 with Zico, Vito Coco, mm -hmm. Pepsi One, all those. And here they are nine years later, you know, with a category that was kind of, you know, not going up as much. Nine years later... They came out with a product and they said, our product's so freaking expensive, we're gonna do an eight ounce. We're not doing a 12 or 16 ounce because we wanna get that price down. And so they came into the market, I think at 349 or something like that, or 299 mm -hmm. with an eight ounce. It sold so well. And there were consumers yeah. saying, I want more. Like, I don't want eight ounce. I want 16 ounce because I crushed that bottle within like five seconds. I want, I'm running, I'm exercising, I want hydration. I want more of Harmless. And so they came out with their 16 ounce at 4.99. 4.90, I mean, 4.9, it's double the price of yeah. every other coconut water on the shelf and it's in the refrigerator on top of that. So it's like, yeah. it's not everywhere in the store. You can't do these big displays in the middle of the store when you're shelf stable. The rest is history, but they've seen major, major success and they've been acquired by Dannon, um, you know, nine years later, eight years later, because they have a great freaking product that is high quality and they didn't, they never skimped on price in their entire nine years. And so even though they're a competitor, I have, I'm humble enough and swallow my pride where I really respect what they've done to build a category and not to skimp on quality ever in their whole existence. So it's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, I love it. I think it's important, like don't skimp on what the consumer cares about, right? And taste is, is a very important criteria for, for any food or beverage brand. And so if there are ingredients that you're using that are super important to the consumer and super important to the taste profile and a core reason as to why you started the brand, find ways to get consumers to try the brand, right? It's all about trial. Exactly. Um, but then I have this conversation with my brands too, like maybe your consumer doesn't care that you're organic. Like if, if that is something that is not important to your consumer, then have those conversations too with your consumer base. And if organic doesn't matter, maybe you try a non-organic skew and see how that goes, right? 
Um, and maybe organic is a bad example, but I think you get what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily compromise, but listen to your consumer. And what are they telling you matters to them. Um, so. Exactly right. And I mean, uh, you know, benefits and what the consumer wants is more important than anything else. If you don't listen to your consumer, you'll be basically firing in the dark and you won't even know what your tar- where your target is, you know. So let's get into our next segment here. And this is all, by the way, we're beyond, this is 50 minutes of genius here. I got, we got to rename the title for this interview. <laughs> Did I say 15? I meant 50. So, uh, but, but this it. is Cinco ama- de Mayo, 50 minute interview. With yeah. Alex. <laughs> it's that, it's that five, that, that theme, that five theme. Um, but yeah, this is the reason I let this go so long is number one, our next guest, uh, we had an hour block before our next guest. So that's cool. Like we have a cushion time, but like the content is so rich like it is so useful and you're hearing from someone that is a partner at a premier VC firm in food and beverage and CPG and health and beauty. That's like literally open book. Like she's telling you what they are thinking behind closed doors when they're meeting with brands and making investments. And this is truly valuable. Well, by the way, anyone that knows me, I'm like always an open book, right? Um, not, not, I'm never going to share information or anything like that, but I'm, I'm going to be honest because I think that's how like, Again, it, it comes down to respect and respecting entrepreneurs' journey. And the biggest thing I can do is is be an honest steward of of my opinion and what I'm seeing. And absolutely, you know. Anyways, feedback, honest feedback. Yeah, the the food and beverage community loves you. Like on behalf of everyone <laughs> that's in this industry, we love you because <laughs> every time we talk, I get so much out of it. I just I love our conversations. Let's get into our next segment here. This is called Rapid Fire Questions. Rapid Fire Questions. All right, all right, all right. I I can't believe that got popular. It's such a lame statement. All right, all right, all right. So um, I think he's from from Texas, right, isn't he? Yes, he is, Mr. Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, he's actually, he's gotten a lot of flack for not being a great actor, but um gold there's other like you know like wolf of wall street and stuff but i thought his best movie was gold by far have you seen that movie yep i think yeah. that was that is a great movie fun fact played bago with him at a bar in dallas in college Play, he played what bago or like what do you call like what cornhole i feel like there's oh, lots cornhole. of different names yeah 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 played cornhole with him at a bar in dallas when i was in college and highlight of my college career great (laughs) when when he made it in the hole was he like all right all right all right (laughs) (laughs) you know what no but like the fact that nobody thought to do that is also embarrassing so yeah i mean he was first he was first to market right (laughs) as they say (laughs) all right so let's get into our questions here um now this is also crazy i think here's what's ironic we we set the record for the longest interview on 15 minutes of genius can we set the record for the shortest session of rapid fire questions can we do that do it so no one has ever gotten under one minute i think matt clifford of keto crisp another great brand that i love he got 101 no one's ever gotten under one minute so i'm going to read them really fast like you're fast i'm fast you're lebowski i'm a lebowski let's do this so i will go through these and let's get under one minute let's set some records here all right so here we go. I'm going to start the timer and I'm going to read them really fast. You ready? All right. Let's do <laughs> you, look it. A little, you look a little nervous. All right. I'm a little nervous, but I got this. Okay. <laughs> the beat of sweat is coming down. All right. Yeah, I'm not one of few words. So we'll go. We'll go with it, though. 
Yes. Okay, so it's got to be quick. All right, here we go. For music, which decade is best, 70s, 80s, or 90s? 80s. What do you do for exercise? Tennis and walking my six-month-old. Too slow. Movie you can watch on a limited amount of times. Uh, Legally Blonde. Ch- uh, chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate. Favorite country to travel to? Italy. Favorite Star Wars character? Chewbacca. Spirit animal? Mm, monkey. Do you like to drive an SUV, Cooper truck? SUV. For food, salty or sweet? Salty. Favorite day of the week and why? Mm, Wednesday. Uber or Lyft? Because it's the middle of the week. Uber, Uber. or Lyft. LeBron Uber. James, Michael Jordan, or Kobe Bryant? LeBron. Terminator 1 or Terminator 2? Ooh, Terminator 2. Favorite food or drink you're stuck in a zero and you cannot say any brand that you've ever invested in? Uh, Big Easy Bucha. 56, 57 seconds. You made it. Woo! I did it! <laughs> All right, on. First guest ever to be under one minute. Come on, keep that applause going, Mark. Keep it going. <laughs> That's a big beat for me. I'll just leave it at that. But my, anyways. You have a unique skill set where you're great at, at like elaborating and going into that detail, yet you can also be like, boom, like here's the answer in like a quick fashion. Like you do both, which is a really awesome skill set. So <laughs> that's a compliment. Well, thank you, That's Alex. a compliment. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you for being on our show on 50. Thank you for having Cinco me. Cinco de Mayo, 50 Minutes of Genius. And... Always great seeing you and catching up. Have a wonderful night. Likewise. Bye, Alex. Take care, Nina. All right, so that is episode 142, the longest episode in the history of 15 Minutes of Genius and the shortest rapid-fire questions. She shattered both records in one session. That's 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 pure genius right there to reinforce our brand. So, again, episode 142 in the books. Big plug to Mark Nicholas, Mark and ManhattanBeatStudios.net. Here's the information. So I'm going to move everything so you can actually see it. Mark N, the bouncing, the bouncing hand, right? Mark N at ManhattanBeatStudios.net. And reach out to him. He does video, audio, podcasting, everything. So, uh, again, thank you for joining us. Make sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well. And uh, one last thing. Stay solvent and genius, my friends. Genius for life. Coconut smoothies coming at you.